Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Like I said today, you know, God is just, you know, giving me something a little bit different, so we thank God. So what is trenches? What is trenches? Why are we doing this series, Trenches? Trenches, trenches, trenches. The reason why we're doing this series, Trenches, uh, for us, trenches is... uh, a strategy for warfare. It is our strategy for warfare. Everybody say that. Strategy for? Warfare. Strategy for? Warfare. Strategy for warfare. Uh, this can be your tactics, your mode of attack. Um, it, all of this is developed in your trench. So when we're saying trenches, we're talking about your personal personal game plan for spiritual warfare or just warfare in general. That's what it, trenches is. That's what this series is about. So we are talking about the game plan for warfare, your personal game plan. For all, so all these messages are going to address your personal trench that you're building for warfare. So I want us to open to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 27. If you do not know, we've been in, uh, we've been in 1 Samuel this whole series. I believe um, Yenny preached from 1 Samuel chapter 25. Amekka was 26, and today I'm doing 27. So we're going to do... Uh, 1 Samuel 27, verses 1 to 12, and um, I was privileged to have, you know, like a a short chapter, so (laughs) we thank God, you know. (laughs) So uh, we're going to read this. I'm going to read from New King James Version, and just follow along. If you are there, say there. I know you guys are depending on the screens. It's okay, Sean. So, verse 27, and David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. Verse 2, then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maioch, king of Gath. Verse 3, so David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the Carmelia, Carmela, whoa, sheesh, mm, shoo, sound like Kamala Brown, you know, it's Kamala, uh, Carmelite's Nabal's widow, y'all know about Abigail, right? And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he brought him no more. Verse 5, then David said to Achish, if I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I might dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Verse 6, so Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Verse 7, now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. And verse 8, and David and his men went up and raided the Gensherites, the Gizrites, and the Amalekites, for those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. So we're going to stop there. Bless the reading of the word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we say thank you, God, for just for this opportunity, God. We say thank you for this opportunity to meet here in this building. Heavenly Father, God, we do not take it for granted. We just pray, Heavenly Father, God, even as this word goes out, God, I pray, Lord, for, um, for a soil that accepts this word, God, within every single heart, Lord. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, as this word goes out, God, I pray that it permeates the soil, God, and I pray that it will be on good soil and pierced in God. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, for anyone that is coming here with a need, um, that they've been praying for something, they're desperately need of God. I pray, Lord, by the time they leave, Lord, you shall meet that need. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. So, a little story. In 
because we're going to talk about war. I'm going to continue what Emeka was talking about, you know, the war life. So why and where do trenches come from? Emeka kind of touched on it. Um, but the reason, I want, I want to picture, paint a picture for you guys. The reason why trenches was actually prevalent was because in the 1900s, I'm sure we've watched all these, you know, these shows, uh, Games of Thrones, all these things. And a lot of times when you see wars in Game of, Games of Thrones, what is it? It's usually just like everybody's just running straight to each other, right? Right. So before the 1900s, there was this concept called open warfare, which is just straight up, you see them, it's on sight. Like, you see them, us, bam, we're going for it. There's no, there's, no, there's no strategy. It's just like, we got better weapons, they got weapons, we just going straight up. That's, that's the tactic. And that is so ineffective because, let's just be real, it doesn't matter how good you are, if the other side has 20,000 more people than you, the chances of you winning, running up, are very slim, right? So that's where this aspect of trenches now came in during uh, 1900, early 1900s and World War I, is because people realized that we can't just be going out and just losing men in open warfare. We're, there has to be like a strategy. We have to go underground, give ourselves some time to think about what we're gonna do. And trenches really changed the game for war because a lot of times, there wouldn't be necessarily so much war happening on the actual ground because a lot of times we're people were trying to think of strategies of how to get them maybe behind their backs or trying to figure out some details of when they're trying to launch their next attack. So trenches opened up a new aspect, which is basically the aspect of having to think through your strategy and your warfare, right? So what was wrong with trenches? Why don't people use trenches anymore? America talked about one of the reasons, because people would build their trenches very loosely, and diseases would be rampant, stuff would just go crazy. The quality of trenches were not the best, so people started to lose lives within the trenches, not even warfare. The second thing was that in the main trench where the warfare would take place, the front line was, when they would leave the trench, the problem was that they were leaving all communication to the army. What am I saying? So. There's multiple trenches, there's multiple, like Omeka touched on it, there's like, you know, the generals are in a really nice trench, but the front trench, when they're going out to war, the communications that may come from the generals, the people behind them, they would leave everything with, inside the trench. So imagine now, they're like, let's go get them. Y'all run out, y'all running, y'all running, and then y'all stuck, and you're like, wait, what's next? Oh, it's in the, we, we gotta call the commander in the trench, but it's too late at that point. So these are the problems with trenches is that diseases will run rampant and also communication will be cut off. So how does this relate to what I'm talking about? See, David was in a position, a very, very hard position, um, where he literally had to, here's the thing, we all know about David and Goliath, right? Right? David and Goliath, right? So David, since he has defeated Goliath, has been running away from this man by the name of King Saul. So imagine, young David, throwing stones, has been running away for a long time. It's so crazy because I did research and it said that David was running away from Saul for 13 years. 13 years of his life. So from the moment he killed Goliath, he was on the run. And here's the thing. It gets to a point, and I know a lot of us can relate to this, where we've been dealing with something for a long time, and 
you know, at first, it's okay, it's chill. Nothing, you know, it's just life. It's just whatever. But then day one doesn't necessarily look like year 13 anymore. <laughs> the first day you dealt with it, you was pretty chill about it. But now, nine years in, you're just like, I'm still dealing with this? And you can imagine the mental toll that can take on a person. Let's be real. Some of us have been in those situations. You know, one month into the relationship, it's all sweet. Three years in, you're like, <clears throat> two more strikes. <laughs> two more. Valentine's Day, you know. Got to get, get my stuff, you know. Valentine's Day, shoot. So, and at this point, David is no longer just a boy. He's now a man, and he has people that are following him. So not only is he mentally stressed, he has people that are stressed, that are carrying families. The scripture says that people, the, the soldiers were following him with their families. So not only was he just running from Saul, he had a gang and they gang running, with, running away from Saul. So they were like, oh, David, what's next? What's next? And if we're taking notes, the, the title of my message is The Abandoned Trench. The Abandoned Trench. You see, when we start dealing with something for so long, we sometimes forget the strategy that has always worked for us. We forget the strategy that has worked for us. What am I saying? You see, the fact that David was still on the run for 13 years means that there's some way he was getting away from Saul. Right? There was some way he was getting away from Saul. And the thing is this, a lot of times... When we've been doing everything, we've had broken promises, things that haven't been working well, we're mentally strained, sometimes it seems like what God has been doing for us is non-existent anymore. And so what happens is we get to 1 Samuel 27, verse 1, and, sa and David says this. He says, with his heart, in the depths of him, he says this, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. So David has lost all hope. You know what? I've been running from Saul. He's going to get me anyways. It is what it is. He gave up. It is what it is. I'm going to perish to Saul one day. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. It is what it is. And so he says, there is nothing better. <laughs> That's the worst thing to say when you have God in a situation. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. So David thought there was nothing better he could do but escape to the land of the Philistines. Why is that crazy? If you do not know scripture, the Philistines is basically David's enemy. That is David's enemy. So David was so mentally consumed, so stressed out, giving up on everything that he decided, you know what? I'm better off just going to my enemy. Maybe they can give me safety. <laughs> Maybe they're a better option. And what happens is that he goes to them and you know, he says, I know that Saul's not going to be able to touch me if I'm with the Philistines. Of course he's not going to be able to touch you. That's the enemy, of course. So he goes there. He forsakes his plan. He forsakes his trench. And I want you all to understand this, you know. When it gets to verse 2, <laughs> it says, Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him that to Achish, the son of Maoch, king of Gath. Here's the thing. The strategy for David, and this is what I want you all to know, it is very important for us to know what strategy has been working for us. I'm going to say it again. It's important for us to know what strategy works for us. 
Some of us have been going off of grace. Grace. Grace, that's what we've been going off of. We've been going off of our parents' prayers. Okay, that's a strategy. Cool. At least know that's what's been working for you before you abandon it. <laughs> At least know that's where your, your help is right now. Before you abandon it. Before you want to go out on your own. You see, David did not sit back and realize that the strategy that had been working for him was divine helpers. God had been saving him all the 13 years with divine helpers. You know what? I had to even go back and research. Verse 19, he was sent to Samuel. Verse 20, he was sent to Jonathan. Verse 21, he was sent to Ahimelech. Verse 22, he went to hear to wait for God, right? Verse 20, verse 23, God sent him to Keilah. 24 to 26, he was sent to the wilderness, and Lord covered him from Saul. So David's strategy had been God sending him forth to people, to divine helpers, and waiting on God for the next move. That's what David's strategy was. That was his trench. It always worked for him. Yeah, he was stressed out. It's crazy. He's been running for a long time. But that's what God was doing for him. God was bringing up someone somewhere to help him out. But he decides, you know what? This is too much. I'm going to die anyways. Sorry. I'm going to just do my own thing. I'm going to go to my enemies. I'll figure myself out. So, 1 Samuel 27, 5 to 7, I want us to read this real quick. Then David said to Achish, if I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? You see, I was having some revelations while I was reading the scripture. And one of the revelations that God gave me is that when you leave your trench, you end up being in business with people you have no business with. <laughs> when you leave your trench, when you leave what's been working for you, for some reason... You run into that one person you're not supposed to run to. <laughs> I remember that. I remember in college, I had just, I had just get out, gone out of a relationship, and I remember, you know, I was like, you know what? I got, I'm going to work on myself later. You know, God, you see me. You see me. You just Let me just vibe out a little bit, you know? You see me, and what I started to realize is that who I started hanging out with was different because here's the thing. When you're outside of the strategy of God, when you're outside of God's will, let's be real, you have to realize that your, your circle is going to automatically change. The eyes are going to be different on you. Because here's the thing, anything can sway you now. <laughs> when, you're in, when you're in no man's land, it's, it's all vibes. Let's be real. It's all vibes. It's, thank you. Wherever the end, you know, that's the thing, guys. Is when, we, when we leave the strategy, we have no filter. So if the end, shoot, they got good energy over here. Shoot, what's good, man? What's good over? And that's what happens is that when you leave your trench, you leave the thing that's been working for you, you end up going to places you have no business with. <laughs> the second thing that Lord revealed to me was when you are outside of your trench, this is a good one. <laughs> when you're outside of your trench, it's very easy for you. <laughs> Ooh, let me read this right for you guys so y'all get it. When you're outside of your trench, the place that God has called you to is very hard to acknowledge. The scripture says this, and I want to pin this point real for y'all. In verse 5, it says, I have found favor in your eyes. Let them give me a place in some town in the country. You see, what's amazing here is that David's enemy offered David the royal city to stay in. This is before David is king. You see, so even your enemies know the potential you have. 
His enemy offered him the royal place to stay. The enemies offered him where God has called him to. He's a royal. He doesn't see himself as a king right now. He's been anointed for it, but that's not where he is. He's on the run. But even his enemies have put him in the position of king. Come and stay with the royal place. But David says, no, 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 I can't. Take me to the country. Take me to the country where nobody will know I'm there. Take me to the country where I'm comfortable with. And you see, a lot of us, <laughs> what was so amazing when I was reading this is that, why did David want to go back to the country? Why did David want to go back to the country? If you look earlier in David's story, when Samuel was sent to look for the next king, he goes to David's father's house and the sons are there. David was found in the country. That's where he was from the beginning. You see, a lot of times when we've left our trench and we don't want to associate with what God has called us to, we always go back to where we last felt peaceful. Even if it's bad. Even if it's bad. David went to the most familiar place he knew, which was the country. All the animals, hillbillion, all that stuff. That's what he knew. And why that's crazy is because a lot of us, when we've left what has been working for us, we go back to our vomits. We go back to our vomits. When we're broke, we go back to the fraudulent activity because at least it gave us a, you know, a stream of income. <laughs> at least it gives us some stream of income. Sure, I'm trying to get the new Dior, come on. Like something. <laughs> Why is it when you decide that, you know what, I'm tired of dealing with this addiction. You go back to watching the shows that had all the new pictures in it, new videos in it, and you go back to all those friends who were perverted because they're going to allow you to be how you used to be. We're so used to going back to our vomit when what's been working for us <laughs> ain't working anymore. And you know why we're so used to it? Because it's not in our hands. It's not in our hands. Do you know how hard it is for David to come to the conclusion that, you know what, man, I don't know what God's going to do next. Samuel's dead. The priest is dead. Saul killed him. I've had two opportunities to kill Saul. I speared him. He promised me that he wasn't going to kill me, but obviously he don't care about promises, so he's going to kill me again. So you know what? God, I don't know what God has planned, but it seems like I'm one step away from being killed. I'm one step away from being killed. So it's so easy for us to take it into our hands and say, you know what? Let me do what I want to do. Let me do what I know works. Even if you know it's going to hurt you. Even if you know that you had all the anxiety, you'll go back to the friends. Even if you know you didn't feel good in that position or that place, you'll go back to it because at least you had some sort of peace that you could own. At least you had some type of glorification that you could own that was yours. <laughs> but what you have to realize is that when you're in a position where you've left your trench, the end of the story is not always great. <laughs> I don't know why the Holy Spirit is bringing this up to me, but a lot of us don't even know what went into the trench we're in right now. A lot of us don't know what went into the trench that we're in right now. A lot of us don't know the prayers that have built up our trench from our parents, that have been given to us, inheritance, spiritual inheritance, but because it's too loud, the prayer's too loud, they speak in that stuff again. 
it's not, the, it's not this hard. I cannot come across myself. Isn't it just to say hello to God? We don't realize the trench we're leaving. A lot of us are actually in rented trenches. A lot of us are in rented trenches right now. Shoot, all your siblings sharing it. All of your siblings, y'all sharing it. And the worst part is that y'all ain't building up yourself. You're just waiting for the trench to do its job. So whenever you get attacked, one thing, you're just, you're just done. Let's leave. Let's leave. Right back into open warfare. <laughs> A lot of us think that we're being attacked, but we're really just too lazy and too lackadaisical to realize that a lot of what goes into building the trench is building ourselves. <laughs> but those at the back. <laughs> and so, what happens to David now is, I see a common case of when you know you messed up in this story. Because what happens to David is that now he's in the country. He has about 400 men with him. He's chilling. You know, at least Saul's not coming after him anymore. So you know what David starts to do? He starts to go on little adventures within the Philistine territory. And he starts killing Philistine armies, Philistine cities. You see, David starts to justify his decision by trying to kill his enemy while staying in the enemy's camp. That sounds like a lot of us. We try and balance the call with what we're doing in the culture. David tries to balance it out. He, and, and the worst part is that when you try and balance things out, when, you, when you're outside of your trench, you start to... Do everything you can to cover it up. You start to lie about it. You try and hide. You see somebody that you know from church in that place. Ooh. She gone. Oh, okay. Hold my drink. 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 Do I smell? For us, smell? Bro. Dang. Okay, cool. They gone. They gone. They gone. They gone. <laughs> or a better one. Hold on, turn the music down, turn the music down. They're coming to the car, turn the car. Shoot, that's that new gunner. They don't need to hear that. Shoot. <laughs> but what happens is David is now killing all of his enemies, and Akish comes back to him and is like, oh, where you been, David? Where you been? Oh, you know, I've just been killing and going out to, you know, my people and killing them. What he was telling Akish was basically, Oh, you know, I was going to my side where I abandoned, where I usually support, and I was killing them. So Akish could think that he had the loyalty of David. But really, what, what David was doing is that he was killing Akish's people. And what David would do is that he would kill every single person so they wouldn't report him. Every single person. <laughs> oh, I had something for that, but let me not. I think that's a different message. Let me not say that. Mm. <laughs> but what's amazing is that in this scripture, when you look at chapter 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, and you get to 27, there's no evidence of God. David goes, I don't know how, how long five chapters was, but he goes about four to five chapters of having evidences, affirmations from God. And one chapter, he makes his decision to leave his trench, and it's silence. It's quiet. God's not justifying the killing. He's not justifying the decision. He has nothing to say. He has nothing to say to, to that. I didn't tell him to go there. He went there. And 
What's amazing is I had to ask myself, why in the world would David want to leave his trench? Just besides the situation, just besides, you know, him feeling pressed down and mentally exhausted and everything, why would David want to leave his trench? So I did some research. And I just typed in this in Google. I was like, you know, what could have, like, how to stay safe in the trench? And there's this random article that came up, 10 things that would have saved you in the trench. And what's amazing is that none of them have to do with the actual trench. None of them had to do with the actual trench. They had to do with things that the person would put on. It would have to do with things that the person would have to equip themselves with. And what the Holy Spirit started to reveal to me was that a lot of us, like I said earlier, we need to start building up ourselves in the trench. We're building a trench that is meant to last. We're building a spiritual game plan that is meant to last. But have we built ourselves to last? It doesn't matter if you know football, any of these games, you can have as many plays as possible. But if the wide receiver is not good enough to run that route, it ain't going to work. It don't matter how good the route is. It don't matter how good your game plan is. If you yourself are not equipped for that game plan, it ain't going to work. Even if you're in your parents' trench, how, are, how have they equipped themselves for the trench to work for them? Ask them. Mom, Dad, why do you, why do you be praying like that? You know? Why do you, why is, why is, why are you such a, you can't even sing, but you're a worshiper. <laughs> you just be worshiping everywhere. Maybe that's what she did to equip herself. That's what she needed for the trench. That's what helps her trench, helps her stay safe in the trench. We're so quick in a generation where things are not working for us. We run to something else that could probably work for us. But have we looked inside? <laughs> have we looked inside? Have we looked inside? Imagine if we had a society that was built off of people waiting for the next thing that was good to happen so they can run to it. No initiative. No thinking of how can I get better? How can I equip myself? How can you equip yourself for the warfare? How could David have equipped himself for the warfare? From such a high of killing Goliath is now running for eight, nine, ten years and being at this point where he's just like, you know what, I'm joining the enemies. How could you equip yourself for this war? Build your trench, but build yourself too. Don't just build the trench, build yourself. <laughs> Don't wait till you're in a place that you're, your back is against the wall. You have everyone banking on you to do something and you're just wondering, okay, I think I just gotta figure something out. No, no, no. Now, we're talking about this at the gathering. We're saying that don't just wait for, don't just wait for bad times to come that you now want to start, you know, going to counseling and going and doing all these things. No, no, no. In the good. Don't just wait till there's bad times that you want to start talking to God. We're talking about communication with God. We're saying that, you know, if you talk to God in the good times, he'll know how you sound like when you feel good. He'll know how you feel like. He'll know what your voice does when you're happy. So by the time you get to him and you're sad, you ain't even got to say a word. He already knows. He already knows. <laughs> we made a joke that, you know, you can be upset and your friends can be like, what's wrong? And because they know you so much, you just got to be like, <sighs> we know. Come on, girl. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. I know the women know that one. <laughs> but what else, what else could help? Could have helped David in, 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 in uh, the trench? 
this wasn't, you know, David wrote some of his psalms later on after this time, but the word of God is so powerful. I could imagine if David had a scripture like Psalm 23 in his back pocket. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not once. <laughs> he makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Imagine if David had that word in his back pocket in the middle of everything, in the middle of being chased. Some of you, you're more worried about the words that you hear on spiritual word, that encouragement that you hear from that Bible app, getting the word of God. You're so quick, you want to leave your trench right now. But look in the word, your encouragement is there. You're not the first person that's been through it, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> Somebody in the word was depressed. Somebody in the word struggled with lust. Somebody in the word was on the point of, of, of killing themselves, suicide. Look in the word. What do they tell themselves? What did God tell them? Now tell yourself that thing. It's simple. Stop trying to look everywhere else except for the book. Stop trying to listen to all the good worship songs to make, your, make yourself feel better. Those worship songs came from the word. Feed yourself for once. <laughs> A lot of us want to be fed. Feed yourself. Parents love when the babies start feeding themselves. Let's work on them. Feed yourself. People are tired of feeding you. Your friend is tired of feeding you. She's tired of taking your calls in the midnight about that thing. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Your homeboy is tired of you texting him, bro. I just watched it again. I watched it again. She came over again. He's trying to support you, but feed yourself for once. Get in the word. Don't try and read three chapters in one day. One verse. Simple. Stop putting the expectations of the word on yourself. One a day. One conversation a day. Two minute conversation. That's it. Build yourself up in your trench before you abandon it. And I want us to stand up at this very moment because I want us to just do a quick prayer as I'm rounding up and as we get into altar call. You know, I can imagine what a prayer for David would have looked like. And I want us to pray this prayer as the Holy Spirit gave it to me. Because <laughs> a lot of us don't realize that Jesus is our trench. I want us to pray this. Lord, equip me for the long run. Help me to equip myself within my trench. Just pray that prayer. Lord, equip me for the long run. Help me to equip myself within this trench, God. Lord, I just don't want to depend on what the trench looks like, God. Lord, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with your word, God. When the enemy tries to send his bombs, when the enemy tries to send whatever at me, God, Lord, I want to be equipped for the war. I want to be equipped, not just my trench, but me, Heavenly Father, God. Lord, I want my character to be equipped for the war, God. <laughs> I don't want to just be going off of one post, going off of one sermon, going off of one, one devotional, God. Equip me for the long run. I'm tired of Heavenly Father just being, just, just trying to figure it out in a situation. Calling one friend, calling this person, <laughs> going through it alone, God. Lord, I want you there with me. Equip me, Heavenly Father, God. Lord, I, I don't want to run to all these other things. I want to run to you, Father. Amen. At this moment, I want us to bow our heads.
You see, there's some people that have left the trench. Some people that have abandoned it completely. <laughs> and they're far from it. They've been in some situations. They're down deep. But this is where God comes in. This is where his grace comes in. This is where his mercy comes in. Because there's an opportunity to come back home. Like the, prodig like, like the prodigal son, he came back home. He realized that outside wasn't good enough. He realized that outside wasn't the best. But I want you to know that there's a moment for you to come back and run back home. Run back home. Stop running away from Jesus. Just the name of Jesus has been some of y'all's trenches. Stop running away from Jesus. Stop running away from a relationship with him. At this moment, I'm going to extend the opportunity for someone, whether worshiping online or in here, to be able to come into a relationship with Christ and to come back home. You've left your trench. You've left the strategy. You feel like you're too deep. You're never too deep. <laughs> you're never too deep. It doesn't matter what sin it is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter how much trash you've talked. It doesn't matter how deep, how many this, how many that. God doesn't care. Man may judge, but God looks at the heart. So at this moment, I want you to make a heart decision. You don't want to look back in heaven and God is showing you this moment. So at this moment, if you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to come out here. I'm not going to do a countdown. It's simple. If you want to give your life to Christ, rededicate your life to Christ, come out here. Some of you need a fresh start. A fresh start. It will be a shame if you go back to your place of work, to your home, and you're still the same way. You're still relying on other people to figure stuff out for you. This is a moment for you to come back home. This is a moment for you to come back home. I'm going to give you a few, more, a few more minutes to come up here. Don't look to your left and to your right. This is between you and God. thank God for the gift of salvation. Let's just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we say thank you so much, Father. God, we don't want to abandon our trench. We don't want to abandon the game plan for war, God. You know what's best for us. You know what's in store for us, Heavenly Father, God. Lord, you see our minds. You see our hearts, God. You know some of us were mentally exhausted, we're at that point, Heavenly Father, where we want to give up. We look to our left, to our right, to our front, to our back, God, and we feel surrounded by so much negativity, by so much anxiety, by so much depression, whatever it is, Heavenly Father, God. We just ask you, Lord, in this moment, encourage us, God. Encourage us in this trench, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, God, Lord, for the mites to build ourselves up in this trench, God. We don't want to be weaklings within this trench, God. We want to be built for the war, God. We want to be equipped for the war. Not just for the first one, the second one, third one. For the longevity that you have for us for this lifetime, God. We want to be equipped for the fight, God. We don't want to be a statistic, a spiritual statistic, Heavenly Father, God. We want to be a statistic for the good, God. For those that equipped themselves and was able to persevere through the war. You say thank you so much, Father. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.